Welcome back to Urban Theology. This is a podcast brought to you by two millennial men, by the grace of God, where we just talk about the ups, downs, and everything in between. So thank you, everybody, for coming back for another episode. We apologize for this little hiatus. We've been gone for, what, a couple weeks now? Yeah, like two, I think two yeah, weeks. Yeah, that, that was all Raheem's fault. <laughs> I, I, I threw it on him. Yeah, man, we had to, we had to take some time, um, get, our, get our minds right. And obviously, with the news cycle in these two weeks, a lot has happened. Yes, yes, yes. So, with your correct mind, can you lead us in prayer? Of course, of course. Um, So, Father, uh, in Jesus' name, um, our God and our King, Lord, we just want to thank you for this day, for you have made it. We thank you for your grace and your mercy and your compassion towards us. Um, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would assist us in the conversation that we're going to have today. Um, let us speak in wisdom. Um, let us not speak in the flesh, but also give us grace to speak in humility in Jesus' name. Amen. And we also pray, Lord, that you'd remove any amount of pride. Um, give us a heart that will hear and just assist us, you know, through this conversation. Um, we thank you, Lord. We bless your name. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right. No, thank you for that, my brother. So let's just, let's get into how we've been. You know, it's been two weeks since the last time that we touched the podcast airwaves. Um, I know I, I've been seeing a lot of people getting bicycles. Uh, I'm wondering, have you bought a bicycle yet? Man, I've been talking about it, but man, I haven't been about it. I still it's, haven't it's purchased. It's a trend. It's a trend. People buying bicycles and they cycling all across the, the county lines and everything, bro. It's a trend. I mean, my gym just sent me an email. LA Fitness, they're open. So I think I might start going back in. Really? Yeah, man. Man, all right. Did you, did you, were you a faithful gym? I'm not, not going to lie to you. Right, so no, coronavirus and that now you want to become a faithful gym goer. God, I need to get my life together, wow. man. Wow. Yeah. Get your life together, bro. bro. But yeah, how, how have you been outside of that? Man, I've been good, man. Just been, um, been chilling. I've um, been doing a lot of reading. Um, God has helped me kind of get in the habit of reading books again. So I finished the book. Um, I'm trying to finish another one right now. So that's been a good habit I've picked up, but I've been, I've been pretty good, man. Just been, I'm um, taking it easy. What about you? Okay. Yeah. I've been, I, I'm continuing to study for the CFA exam. It is, it's boring, bro. It's just boring. <laughs> I did have something interesting and kind of scary happen to me. So I was going to see me and my mom, we were going to see my older sister and her, her kids and the family. And when we made her, well, something told me not to go. I, I didn't really feel like going. I didn't really feel like going, but when we made a right down their street, my mom told me to pull over because she had bought a gift for Father's Day for my brother-in-law and she forgot to sign it. And, you know, she wanted to make it seem like she put all this stuff. She's like, yeah, pull over on the side. So I put over on the side, went to go cut the car back on and the car wouldn't start. So I'm thinking, okay, it's probably just a battery, but the house, my sister's house is like right down the street, like two minutes walking. So I tell my mom, okay, I'm going to put the car in neutral. And I'm just going to push it, and we're just going to roll it down to my sister's place. So I push it. You know, I, I didn't even think I was going to have the strength, but because this quarantine, I haven't been working out like I used to, but your boy is out here. So, you know, I, I pushed that thing, and it got, it got to rolling. And, okay, I'm just walking down. I'm, I'm waiting for my mom to stop, and she honks the horn. And I'm looking at her, and she rolls past, the, past, past my, my sister's crib. And I'm like – wait a minute, what is going on here? And I'm hearing this noise, like, duh, 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 duh. she's trying to pull on the, the emergency brake, but it wouldn't stop. And the first thing that came to my mind was like, yo, she's about to barrel into traffic. So 
I'm not gonna lie, I started cursing. I started cursing, crazy, right? I was just like, oh my God, I started, I started cursing. Before you knew it, I was wearing flip-flops. I threw my flip-flops off and I just started running as fast as I can, just running as fast as I can, just hoping I was gonna, I wasn't gonna catch her. She was already, she had made a turn. She, she was no longer in my, in my sight, but I just kept running, kept running, kept running. And then I finally caught up to her and she said she had jumped on a curve spun around and came to a standstill and no cars had hit her. Praise God, man. Praise God. Praise God. And so the, the car was okay. She was okay. And I remember getting back to my sister and uh, my brother-in-law was like, what were you running for? Like, what were you going to do? Like, who do you think you are? And it made me think of the scripture in Hebrews 11, you know, faith is the substance of things unseen. And I was like, I didn't, of things hoped for. I didn't see, I, I didn't know what was gonna happen, but I just, I, I was praying in my heart, like, God, please don't let this happen. Like, please don't. And I just knew, you know what? I'm gonna run and whatever God wants to do, he's gonna do it, you know? So I, I told him, I was like, I, I couldn't do anything, but I had faith that God was gonna help me out. So that's just a little, I guess it's a little testimony as far as something that really scared me um, really tested my faith and just I'm, 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 I'm thankful to God that he protected my mom because I, I wouldn't podcast no more if I had pushed my mom into traffic. I, I wouldn't. Straight up. I would not. Man, that's that's real, man. I meant to say this actually a few minutes ago. I wanted to wish you Happy Father's Day. I know it's we missed that day, but <laughs> Happy Father's you know, Day. Oh, wait, 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 calm down, bro. Know. I'm not in the field like that. Come on, this guy. I'm prophesying. <laughs> You're being father. A good one. <laughs> So hey, say thank you. Bro, look, man, I, I got a girlfriend that's going to be angry. Like, have you bought the cow yet? Have you, have you paid bright price yet? So yeah. doing Happy Father's Day for you. So, hey, I'm not, I'm not there yet. But, you know, I guess we'll, we'll put that in the air. Happy Father's Day to you, too. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. I receive it. I receive it. Oh, you're a fool, man. So, look, today is, yes, yeah, a special episode. I know when you podcast, you got to say every episode is a special episode. But, no, this is a really special episode because we're going to be talking about women. Okay, as Christian men, sometimes we feel like we know a lot about everything. You know, when you were praying, you, you pray for humility. And I think in this conversation, we have to be humble enough to understand there's some things that we suck at, that we aren't doing a good job at. So we are going to have a guest come in and also help us understand where we have fallen short. Um, so stay tuned for that. Now, the subject for today the person we're going to be talking about, the late and the great, Oluwatoni Salu. So we're going to be talking about her life. And um, I, I guess, what do you know about, what do you know about Tony? So I only know um, a little bit from kind of like social media and the little research that I did, but um, she was a 19-year-old woman. Um, she was an activist. Um, she also had some traumatic things that happened to her, um, which were unfortunate and ultimately led to the loss of her, her life. But, you know, given the little research that I can find on the internet, that's the little that I could kind of find on her, who she was, and a little bit of her background and her situation. It was truly heartbreaking. I saw it on Twitter and just the story kind of just tugged in my heart, man. Same, same here. I think the recurring theme was we all let her down. You know, I kept saying that. I kept saying that. And when I looked into what was going on. She's Nigerian, well, American Nigerian, because she was born here. And apparently she was homeless at the time. And it was a black man. It was a black man who unfortunately 
killed her, who was abusing her. And he had tried to tell people, like literally tell people. I mean, when you go on Twitter and say, hey, this is what's going, that's trying to tell people. But I don't think people took it seriously. She went to the police, but I think this was right after the event where she was sexually assaulted. So she was a little disoriented and the police brushed it off as not enough evidence to go after anybody. And I also know it took the police more than a week to find this girl, you know, more than a week to find this girl. This is a young woman, 19 years old. My little sister is, my little sister is, I don't know my little sister's age. My little sister is 26, I'll be 26. And I still treat her like she's a baby. You know, like my little sister calls right now and tells me, I mean, hey, her husband is great. You know, he, he never do anything. But she, she calls and said, he sneezed on me. I didn't say, and he didn't say, sorry, I'm pulling up over there. You know, so when I hear about this story, I just think, man, she was just she's a little girl, man. One year removed from high school, bro, and gone too soon. So before we jump into anything, jump into this conversation, we want to bring a woman to the table. Of course, and she is our first lady guest. Um, I'm gonna give her a, a brief introduction. She's not gonna like this introduction because I, I do too much. But um, she is a woman of God. Um, she's of Nigerian descent, as well as a Brit. So she's a British uh, Nigerian um, lady and she um, brings a lot of wisdom and, and grace. Um, I hope you all will enjoy what she has to bring to the table. Um, so I'm gonna use this time to welcome Emily to the Urban Theology Podcast. All right. Hey, y'all. I can't hear y'all. Unmute ourselves. All right, can okay. you hear us Here's now? now? Hey. All right, that was all Raheem's fault. Yeah. <laughs> it was my fault. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the mute me already. <laughs> I ain't even said anything. Welcome to the podcast, Emily. Thank you for joining us today. Thank y'all for having me, Taibi and Raheem. Thank you. <laughs> so I, I guess Raheem gave you a brief introduction. Was there anything that you wanted to add or you just, are you ready to pod? Ready to pod. Let's go. Okay. So I guess first thing was what intrigued you about this subject and, and the opportunity to talk about it? Oh man, so when my sister was telling me about Oluwatoye and Salu, I was like heartbroken. Um, and top of all the other traumatic, controversial, or not so controversial, shouldn't be as controversial things that we've had going on, which I know you brothers have been, you know, diligently and vulnerably talking about. I was like, man, can we catch a break? Um, but, you know, you guys said she's 19 and so she's a woman, but she's really a teen, right? Yeah. She's not even legally an adult. And just thinking about what women go through, thinking about what black women go through and just thinking about, I, I'm a, I love the church, guys. I'm always going to bring Christ into everything. I love the church. And every time I see something happening in the world of the church, I can't help but look back at the church and be like, where is your voice? Where is your action in this? Because whether we accept it or acknowledge it or not, everything that happens in the world is partly the church's fault. The church's voice should always be louder. The church's solution should always be louder. And so if the world is going in one direction, it's likely because the church 
lost its footing and its voice and its place in society or the world and that's why it's the way it is um and so i want to see i want to see change um not just conversations which i love that we're having here i love that you guys have set the platform to come and have conversations and be like hey i'm here to listen i'm here to learn i want to be a forerunner in this um you know what can we do to be better how can we be better how can we be allies um i feel like i have a voice in the conversation um in private and in public um and so i'm just like you know what this is it's time i felt like it was time and i was ready to come in you know, share and, and be part of the conversation, healthy dialogue um, that includes Christ as one of the solutions. Um, but also here to be like, there is work to be done. And that looks like us doing work and going to the front of the battlefield um, and having good conversations and dialogue, um, but with grace and with mercy and knowing that redemption is real um, for the victim and for the person who makes a person a victim so the person who does sexual assault etc yeah yeah and i'll be the first to say i'm 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 a student here i mean by that is i i I think i know what black women want i think i know what black women need but it's just we got to start letting black women talk you know and 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 tell us because so many times throughout history we've told black women like okay this is what you like this is what you need this is good for you but we're not protecting them you know so we have there's a lapse in 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 our service to black women and i i just feel like i can sit here and be like oh yeah i want to marry no i want to hear what a black woman has to tell me as far as like okay you know what this is what we need and and that's real because like one thing i'm learning is just like they know what they're talking about right i can't i can't speak over someone else's experience right and I, i think this is like really big black women they do know what they're talking about like this is not something that just popped up you know out of, out of the air like this this is a real issue you know what i'm saying that that they're bringing light to and i i think if we can get to the point where we start sticking up for our black women like they stick up for us because i i think the the, the video got that got the most fame for tony was the video where she was talking about the brother uh, tony mcdade who, who was killed, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm reading this verbatim. I'm going to cut out some of the curse words. We are doing this for our brothers and our sisters who got shot, but we're doing this for every black person because at the end of the day, I cannot take my bleepity bleep bleep skin color off. You know, so when I hear that we're doing this for our brothers and our sisters, I think, you know, just, just, just seeing her stick up for, this black man, and you know, I think that's synonymous to how black women as a whole stick up for black men. Like when George Floyd passed away, I mean, I, he had a white girlfriend. You know, we saw her on camera. Um, bless that woman; she's cool. But the person who was riding for him was his baby mom's, who was a black woman. Now, I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't look at the tactics that were done and praise them, but also with the gentleman in Atlanta who passed away, what was his name? Rashad Brooks. Yeah, Rashad Brooks. His, I believe, baby mom or his girlfriend basically tore down the Wendy's. You know, like she was all about that. You know, and I I look at that and I'm like, 
we need to have that same energy. I, honestly, you got to think about it too. I think also on a spiritual side, black women be the main ones praying for us. Like spiritual, like interceding for us, covering us in prayer. We're going to war. When it's supposed to be us. Like we're supposed to be the ones that, is, that, that, that is are true. praying and interceding for them and everyone else in society as a well. whole. Not to say that they can't do it. You know, they can, but we're supposed to. But men should be at the front lines. Exactly. So that's another thing where there is an imbalance. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, so Emily, just curious, what do you think is the most glaring issue with Black men and how they regard Black women? And for all the listeners, I hope you know this is a, this is a conversation that is very just... It, 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 it's not... It's not a canned conversation where we prepped it before. This is just an open, honest conversation where we're really just trying to pick Emily's mind here. So, you know, feel free at any time. Take your time answering these questions. I mean, whatever you throw back at us, we're also going to take our time and answer them. So we just want to let all the listeners know, like, this is a, this is a very organic conversation here. Okay, and just to make sure I'm hearing you guys clearly, what is the biggest issue with black yeah, men not supporting black women or yes yes um this breaks my heart to say but sometimes i don't feel like black women are seen i don't feel like their pain is seen and understood and i don't think that our voices have value in the eyes of some black men um, and I won't say it's always intentionally, um, but I think there are probably both sides of it being intentional and unintentional. Um, it's a hard thing to say um, because I, I am privileged to have black men in my life that for the most part, listen or come back to me and be like, hey, this happened and I said this or when I said this and apologize. Um, but when we're talking about like at large in the church or in the workplace, um, I honestly feel like sometimes there is no difference be between a black man and a white man. And I think that's because you guys, you benefit from privilege. Um, and yes, you're black, but you're a man. And I think that gives you a slight edge on me as a black woman um, in situations, in way more situations probably than it should. Okay, wow. So you said you, you do have some black men in your life that do listen to you. How did that come about? Was it a learned process or was it just a natural like, hey, you're my sister, like I, I, I listen to you. Did you have to sit them down and talk about that? You know, more often than not, I had to do some, I'm a very vocal person, especially in my relationships. And so I had to do some, hey, this happened or this was said, or I was sharing my experience and you spoke over me. And it made me feel like I wasn't valued and that my opinion meant nothing to you, even though you say you're my brother, my brother in Christ, this is how your actions actually invalidated how I felt. Um, and so there are, now that I think about it, quite a few chance, um, places where I've had to pull my brother aside and we've had to have multiple conversations. Um, 
and then there are a few rare gems sorry to say and we're keeping it 100 that their parents and it wasn't just their mom it was mom and dad dad was very instrumental in bringing them up to listen to their mom and their dad because i've actually asked a friend like how did you become this way as a man and they said their dad not only had conversations about it their dad modeled it with their mom and their sisters and so when we talk about this situation making sure that you know my black brothers in christ not in christ regardless um how they can do better i really think it's actually on parents at a certain level but then you know you get past the age where your parents are instrumental in you know your mentality and how you think and moving forward um but yeah now that's that's heavy because i do think like um parents are like a good um like person to learn from and like for me I definitely uh, am learning that. I've learned over the years. I've learned that from my sister because I'm not going to lie to you. I, I didn't always listen to my mom. Like I, I always just felt like she was talking a lot. But like my sister was like the first woman that I genuinely learned how to like just close my mouth and listen to her because I realized she has so much wisdom and just like the, it just taught me a lot in terms of just how I'm learning to approach um, women in my life, especially with like my girlfriend, like learning to close my mouth and, and listen, right? And to listen, not just to respond, right? But to listen to like intake um, the information because what I'm learning is God has really blessed us with women and like the wisdom that they have is second to none. Cause like, I feel like we as men, we have this idea of like, we know it all. And there's this like puffed off confidence that I can want, I can solve all the issues and I don't need to hear your voice. Like your voice is just chatter, right? Whereas, whereas in reality, no, her voice is not chatter. Her voice is um, the voice that you need to heed. Mm-hmm. Mm. Man, man. I mean, I, I think conversations like this are so needed, you know, because I, I truly think we, like black women, and well, black men don't understand black women, you know, and I, I will also say on the other side, black women sometimes don't understand black men because I'll tell you the Agreed. truth. When you said that we don't see, we don't understand your black pain, there was a little part of me, don't come for me, there was a little part of me that's like, what you mean? A little part, a little part, you know? And, and, and what I mean by that is sometimes I am guilty. I am guilty of, you know, saying like, well, women have it easier than men. You know, like women, sometimes, sometimes, you know, and that's a fault on my era because I failed to understand that you know, as I got older, I started to understand this, but a lot of times women have to give up their innocence to get partial equality. You know, like they, they have, like, you, you can't say, okay, this woman is getting this because, you know, all the men like the way she looks. Like, I don't, I, I'm not being sexualized to get to where I need to get to, okay? So this woman now has to grow up a little bit faster than me because, you have all these men who are like granting her stuff. And sometimes I look at that and I'm like, well, she has it easy. You know, so uh, a part oh. of it, just the conversation, just the conversation See, to understand. But it's good to share that though, because you, I'm even happy that you had that knee jerk reaction. It's the knee jerk reactions that we need to pull up to the surface and dig in deeper. Why do I feel like that way? Is that truth or is that just my emotions? Because you can fully feel something and it not be true 
that's how the enemy works with our emotions. Yo, isn't that, it's wild. Cause like, I realized in, in our subconscious, like he was saying, we feel like this is right because I've always thought, and I've always felt this way. Like, oh no, but this is like, to you, you feel like it's a fact when it's like, no, it's not, it's not a fact. It's just what you think and what you think is wrong. Yeah, mm-hmm. man. And then you, you touched on something about the church, you know, dropping the ball with black women and, in the story of Luatoin, the church was involved there. The church was involved. And a lot of the things that we found out came from sources that were like social media. So, you know, if anybody's listening to this and they know the family or they like, we're, we're not trying to spread any false rumors here, but we're also um, talking about things that we know happens. You know, we do know sometimes the church fails women. I mean, I, I've, I've heard some very recent stories from out of Nigeria where um, it, it just, just sad. And, and I mean, I, it, it almost brings me to tears when I, I hear like a girl went to church and she got raped, molested. It's, it's just sad. So let's talk about the church's role in, you know, protecting black women. And where do you think, and of, of course, we're talking about men here because, you know, men are, the people in the church who are leaving the church. So how do you think we can like, get the church on board with, all right, let's, let's, let's start protecting these, these black women. So I'm gonna flip the script on you. Okay. This applies to men and women. I know you guys are not saying that men are not sexually assaulted or abused, um, but just wanna put that out there that we do acknowledge that men are, but this conversation right now is about women. Yeah. Right, yeah. if you guys wanted to hear from a woman, so I just want to put that out there. We we fully acknowledge and know that men can um, be sexually assaulted. Um, the church, honestly, is God help us all, right? Um, God help us all. Um, we talk about holiness, right? Right. And in some ways, we're eroding what holiness looks like, and in other ways. We bang on about holiness only when it comes to homosexual homosexuality or the LGBTQ plus. Um, but we forget that. I don't know. Actually, know if it's forget or we ignore it. Y'all can correct me on that. Um, that one rape culture has no place in the church, and neither does like sexual assault because you know. Um, but. We're so obsessed with self and our desires and not denying our flesh. And then we allow the enemy to come in and just run through the church rampant. And it's insane. And this is how we get to the point where sexual assault is happening as much in the church as it is in the world. And I would say even handled worse because we have a standard that is Christ that does not permit such to happen. And then when it does happen, we silence the women. Um, we use tactics to intimidate the women. Um, and it's not just men. I think Raheem and I talked about this. Like, it's not just men of God. Like, women are being assailants in this. Um, I had a story, and honestly, I can't remember where it was, but I had a story of a young woman who went to a woman in the church who was like an elder and she shared that a pastor was putting pressure on her to have sex and she had had sex with him 
and was basically saying, you know, like, I am your covering, like I'm the pastor and using all these tactics about his authority to assert himself and to keep her quiet. And she knew it was wrong. She didn't know who to turn to. So she was like, this is the church, safe place. I'm gonna go to a woman in leadership in the church. And the woman was like, oh, baby, you know, men have needs. And next time, just don't put yourself in that situation. But to not make it be a mess, I would just, and I'm paraphrasing, so yeah. that just for, it was basically the woman knew that this man was like that, this pastor of the church. And instead of her to protect and to hear her story and to even have some type of disgust or anger, she actually pushed the girl back to the pastor and was like, he needs to, you don't want to upset him or the congregation. And you don't want, what will the congregation hear when they hear that you've had sex with a married man? Um, yeah. Yeah. Like I couldn't even hear that story without breaking down and weeping first at the state yeah. of the church and just the disgust and the immorality and the abuse and, and the lack of regard for the sheep of Jesus. Cause let's forget like he's a pastor to shepherd sheep for the King of Kings. That's a whole other conversation. Right. Um, but that it's not just men, women, are accomplices and they're covering up for men for whatever reason and you know maybe she was a victim at one point um and now she's in a different place and she's older and she has who knows because we know that that happens in a lot of sexual assault cases women get groomed to take over and to look over the women and to make sure that they behave and they stay compliant um but the state of the church is just a mess and we keep it all in darkness we don't allow truth to abound. We don't allow holiness to abound. All that, like, covering up image. Um, further, furthering the cycle of abuse in the church. That it looks as bad as the world, if not worse. So, so I guess, like, moving like, to the next phase, I guess, how do we combat that enablement? Like, if, if we have a culture that enables that in the world, right? But also, it's in the church, right? Or it's seeped into the church. Like, how do we break that? culture which enables um men to commit you know these type of sins right and there's no accountability right on one side right and repentance and then there's also enable enablement how do we break that system i'm gonna be honest i don't know i know you guys don't expect me to have all the answers um i think it goes down to I want to say men calling out other men in leadership and in situations because, you know, every woman almost knows someone who is a rapist or a man who has committed sexual assault, but no men know rapists or men who have committed sexual assault. Like, make it make sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, I, I think, you know how they talk about this coronavirus and they say you could be asymptomatic. I feel like that's how the church looks at rape, where it's like, he looks like a, he looks like a nice guy. He comes to church every week. So he's not, he's not doing anything that is anywhere close to uh, sexual assaults or anything like that. You know, and I I also feel like, Mm. I also feel like we need to do a better job of preaching with women in mind. 
because I think a lot of scripture can be, a lot of scripture can, in, 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 the, in the minds of a man, can come off as, okay, this is only for me, and I'm the only one that has power. And I, I know with a lot of scripture in the Bible, there's a huge responsibility behind those scriptures. You know, like everybody talks about, oh, submit, uh, husbands, uh, wives submit to your husbands and this and that. But there's a lot of responsibility that comes with that if you're going to have a wife submit to the husband, you know. And I think pastors can do a better job of preaching with women in mind, you know, and not just making it seem like, you know, they just get the short end of the stick with certain scriptures. That's just me. That's just me. No, I I agree with you because it's also like this whole idea of we have to, for example, we have to groom and prepare women, to, you know, to get married. But then what about the men? What about them? That's what, what about them, What about the men? After the, the men are just, <laughs> they're just there. So you want this guy to just get married to this woman you're preparing? Like, no, we need to like preach the full counsel of scripture because God is even very clear about what he wants us men to do, right? In, you know, preparing to get married, but also like as a man, biblical manhood, right? What he's calling us to, to do and be, right? And I also feel like, that message is being lost for this other thing of let's say, let's just get women ready to get married. Like, no, you also need to get men in check. And part of that is, um, you know, the area of purity, um, you know, fighting against, you know, sexual immorality in the area of like rape culture and all of those things, you know? Yeah. Um, there needs to be a lot more honest and open conversations in, in so many different areas. You know, we can talk about as Nigerians, as all three of us are Nigerians in a church, um, in families, like I didn't realize how privileged I was to a degree to grow up in a family that I did. My parents are Nigerian, but were a lot less on the traditional side. And so um, I had these conversations, not as in depth as I feel like I would like to have with my kids, but I had these conversations um, with my parents. I remember, um, so I went to primary school, so it's like elementary and middle school in England. I'm trying to make sure I'm getting that right. Um, and we have sex education a lot more in the UK than you guys do over in the US. Um, and so they called our parents, my parents in and were like, hey, we want to talk to your kids about sex and periods and all that stuff about health and growing up into being teenagers. And this is the video we're going to show them. And my parents called me down and they said, okay, at school, you're going to have this discussion. And um, we want to give you from a biblical side point what we think about sex. There is no sex before marriage. And they took me through the scriptures and I was like 12. Some might say that was early, but now looking at this age of what middle schoolers are doing, they're just like wild, wild. Like they are wild. Yeah, and I'm like, it might need, even need to be had earlier, you know, not pushing the boat, knowing what your kid needs to know. Um, but are we having healthy conversations about sexuality, discussing sexual behavior? discussing consent um i think the basics that i heard about consent is no means no okay well there's more than that there's body language there's did a girl say yes at first and then change her mind while y'all were kissing and said no like i don't want to go any further like we need to have honest open meaningful like fruitful conversations um and like you said not just with women with men like having these conversations with women is all well and good but then what happens to your men? And then you have women who know a bit more and maturing in certain areas and then men who are lacking um, 
for whatever reasons. And that's really got to stop. And so I'm loving that our age is having this conversation before we have kids or even as we're having kids yeah. um, to really break that mold. Um, but the church is really quiet on sexual issues. Um, and so it isn't really a wonder or surprise. It's, it's disappointing and it's heartbreaking, but that so much is happening concerning sex that would was probably making the Lord weep, you know? Yeah. And so going back to Toyn, she had initially gotten sexually assaulted by this gentleman and she tweeted about it and she went to the police about it and nothing came of it. In your life, do you have a do you have a hierarchy of men that you can go to? Because I, I I look at this and I'm like, man, where was her brother? Where was her father? Where are her uncles? Where were where, even where friends? Were her friends? Yeah, even friends? You like, know? I'm not gonna lie. I question like where were her friends? She was homeless, and of course, situations come up with families and parents and culture you know how especially Nigerians can be like oh I don't want that girl in my house or this girl does this or she's on the front lines of Black Lives Matter I don't want to be you know how our our culture can be sadly um and you know I would I would like to say that I do have men in my life who I can go to I know my dad for sure and there's maybe one or two others but the reality is, is um, Nigerian culture, when it comes to this culture of rape, is really tough. And we know that, um, you know, hearing about girls being raped in Nigeria in churches or by police or by pastors and how everything's questioned. Um, even the other day, my sister sent me a screenshot um, from a Nigerian newspaper and they were like, rape. And then they put a colon, how to reduce men's sexual appetite. And this was about... Oh, my gosh. Like, someone being violated, sexually violated. And they're over here saying, you know, men can't hold themselves together when they're alone with a man, with a woman, as an excuse. And that's, that's, a, that's a... They're rape apologists, point blank, period. Um, but many of us have heard, if not know, situations where in families or in the church, the person is ostracized and said, well, you were dressing like this or you threw yourself on the pastor. And there's a whole load of victim blaming. And so I would like to say, I believe that there are men who would hear me and they would ask me about my side of the story and they would mourn me and they would weep with me and they would ask me how I am and, and what, what, what do I wanna do next? Cause you know, as a victim, it's, it's up to me whether I wanna share my story or go to the police and, and everything that comes with it. But I'm not going to lie, seeing how people respond to things and just knowing our cultures, it's almost like we've been trained to respond in certain ways. I can't say with 100% assurance. Um, And this is real for me because I was sexually assaulted at the age of nine or 10. And um, it was by young boys who were family friends a couple years older than me yeah and um I actually repressed the memory like I didn't realize this until like the last eight months yeah um and as I got these repressed memories and I was confused and I was like I remember like I it was like 
you know, if you ever remembered something can be like, I don't remember this, but I'm seeing this happen. Um, and I, I, I haven't really shared with anyone. Um, I shared with the person, my auntie, who I do inner healing with and one of the friend in England. And I kind of thought, you know, who's going to believe me? What will happen? And all these other thoughts came to my mind and it's largely because of our society, but it's also our culture. Like, we will say, oh, this other family, they shun their daughter because this happened and that happened. And I, I do not believe my mom and dad would do that. Um, most of my aunts and uncles. But there's levels when it's really close to home, y'all. Um, and we would like to think the best, but precedence with family and our culture shows us otherwise. Um, so it's a hard thing. It's something I thought about. It's something that I've been processing with the Lord and I've been going through healing with and inner healing and I've been able to share with my select people. Very few people know, um, but it's so important to be able to think about these things and talk about these things openly. Um, hey, I, I, I just want to say sorry that you had to go through that. And even looking up some of the details with Tony was triggering, man. I, I was I was emotionally kind of out of it and. This was not on the script. This was not on the agenda. Was it? Um, so when you shared that with us, man, my, my, my heart just sank, you know? Um, so I'm so sorry you had to go through that. And if at any point in time this conversation gets uncomfortable, please, like, let us know. Please. We're going to chop this up. We're going to edit. We're going to do whatever, okay? So, no, you're all fine. I'm, I'm ready. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious. Um, when... When was, what was the age that you felt a man giving you attention? Um, or that you knew like, hey, something's I, off here. Like I, it was think, weird. I think honestly for me, it was 15, 16. Um, so, how, however, I have a god sister who's like my sister and she right, developed sister, like, way who um, would tell me that she felt like men were giving her attention about eight and she probably looked about like 11, 12. Um, and so I've, I've heard stories and I've even been with other kids and I've been like, Ayo, like come here and I've seen men looking at them. But for me, it was a lot and it was still inappropriate. Let me say that, but it was around 15, 16. So you went through some of your teenage years not even knowing that you were assaulted because you mentioned at no, my entire teenage years because wow. i'm 27 now and i remembered him when i was 26. wow wow man so, so you didn't even know like you just went through i guess you had to go through your teenage years and some of your life just assuming that what that was normal it wasn't that it was normal. I didn't recall it. Like, I didn't know that it happened. Like, it was a repressed memory. It's like having this conversation now and then 10 years later, not ever remembering it, and then 10 years later being like, I had a conversation with this girl from England for my podcast. And being like, whoa. Yeah. Ah. And it was triggered by I was at church service in a different state and it, something triggered it and I was like and the Holy Spirit was like that's you Emily 
And I was like, hell, that's not me. Um, and I didn't know what to do with this conversation or this, what I had seen. And then I just was having like rapid flashbacks and I just hit my eye and I was like, hey, yo, like we really need to speak. And also oh, you talked to, I talked to my aunt who, um, who took me through inner healing and deliverance. And I've just maintained um, a big, a good, great, amazing relationship with her. And I said, I don't, I don't know what I'm seeing. I don't know what's happening, but I'm remembering all these things and all these images. And it, it, I couldn't even say, it. I was like, it, yeah, this happened to me. She was like, okay, I'm really like, you're not saying anything, what? And so I just walked her through it. Um, and that was hard because that was the first time that I lived it, right? Because I didn't remember, I did not recall. And I was like, and you know, I still don't remember some things, but like I remember like my pajamas, I remember this, I remember that. Um, and I was, I, I studied psychology at school. So I understand the body, I understand how if you don't have the tools, like you will forget a lot of traumatic things, you will push it out. Um, but it was just insane to know psychology and then go through it and have to bring these things up and then have to deal with, or if I say something now to these family members, I'm say like, why did you wait? And why did you just remember now? Like, well, one, I actually can't explain that, right? Like I know the psychology of repressing memories, but I can't explain why it happened now. Um, I've, I've literally had conversations with friends telling me about their sexual assault. And being like, man, I couldn't imagine what happened if I went through that. Um, prayed for people. Um, yeah, it's, 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 it's insane. Because then you're like, it's not real and it didn't really happen. But you don't just like, you remember something as traumatic as that not happening. Um, so that was hard for me because I maintained relationship with those at the time boys who are now men. Yeah. Wow. I would just like to say, man, that was like really brave and like courageous of you to be like so like transparent and vulnerable uh, with us and sharing your story. Um, I would just like to say that it is awesome that like you're still standing and that, that by God's grace, like, you know, you're going through healing because um, there is power in your healing because there's other people that you can like show love to and just love on them and, you know, walk them gracefully, you know, through that pain, you know, and I just wanted to say you're awesome. Um, Thank you. I had no idea you were going to share that. And um, uh, yeah. yeah, I was like, does Raheem know? Why is asking like this? And I know you couldn't know, right? Because we've never spoken about this. But the only thing was telling but me. I was like, about this. wow, this is really good kind of timing. And I honestly, I can't tell you I was, I, I was going to do it. I was like, this is too vulnerable. And I live my life by vulnerability in everything that I do for the most part, like 90%. I really do. Um, but I, uh, I, don't, I can't explain it. I just... I felt like I was ready. I felt like I was healed enough. And I feel like there, there's someone who's listening who needs to hear this, that it wasn't their fault, who needs to know this, that 
it happens and there's redemption and there's healing. Like I can talk about this because I'm going on the healing period and I've had to confront it. And I think a lot of people like there's a statistic that like half to two thirds of adult women disclose their childhood sexual assault only one to one person in their life. And research shows that silencing and not sharing and talking about it has such a long-term effect on you, um, especially like with mental illness. And so this is actually really weird because basically people are going to hear for the first time about this, maybe on this. Um, But like the women who have been living with this and who remember this are brave. Yeah, yeah. And so if I can come in here and speak about this and give my perspective and the things that need to happen and change and I'm in a place where I'm healing, really, really, really I'm healing and it's healing in a healing is a consistent thing. It's a process. So it's not like one shoe fits all or like, oh, I'm done. You know, three months from now something can happen and I could be a complete wreck. Um, but I'm confident in the fact that like, Jesus is faithful to perfect that which he started. And um, this was revealed so I could deal with it because I can sit here and say I didn't remember, but I can see how this situation, me being sexually assaulted, affected me without knowing. Yeah. Um, I had like, I don't know if... But a lot of guys will be like, you have these crazy sky high walls. Like what happened to you? Like what guy hurt you? They just say like, what guy hurt you? Like you're so closed off and you have walls. And we, use that, we use that as a line, not even understanding what, yeah, what that could. Well, some guys have said it to me, like as my friends, like genuinely, like even now we're friends and you have these like walls. And my female friends would be like, yeah, people see your walls. And they'd be like, I'm being open, I'm being friendly. Um, I remember one day talking to mom, like, have I always been like this? Cause it really started to bug me because I really wanted to bring these walls down. And I know that it, it's, it's attributed to other things like grief and trauma when I was younger and not having the tools to process it. But it also made sense walking through the way I am with certain things with little kids being left around kids. I'm like, I'm just going to go check the kids upstairs just to make sure they're okay. And I knew why I was going, but I didn't know why I felt I had to do that. Um, and so it's affected me throughout my life. And mom's like, you've just always been this. You've just always had these walls. My mom would say it. And now I know why. And I'm able to walk in better relationship and openness with people and tackle that healing little by little because I know the root cause of it. Yeah. Um, but I, I also still have work to be done, you know? Yeah. And I mean, this, this is so brave of you. And I mean, this is just like, you're, you're such a strong woman. And I, I want to get to a point where we could, we, we could be strong for our women as well, you know? So I, I want to kind of pivot into, well, let's try and discuss some, I'm, I'm going to say ways to better understand black women, you know, cause I'm not going to say solutions because I think um, it, this is not going to get fixed overnight. So one thing that you mentioned was, you know, women know all the rapists, but men somehow don't know. And I'll be honest, when, if, if I have a friend now, I'm, I'm 30. Um, I also have friends that are mature 
and mm-hmm. we don't they they don't after their sexual encounters they don't call me like when we were younger and say hey man this is what happened they, they, they don't do that okay. that doesn't go on but I do know when I was younger like in my college days you know you'd have a friend that says oh hey remember so so and so oh yeah yes, this happened. Her. you know yeah hey I'm just just being honest here now <laughs> no free the realness we don't get the details of hey, I pinned her down and I had to force her to do something. We don't get those details. So as friends, I mean, we look at it as, okay, they went out to eat and, you know, they all had fun. That's what we used to look at. So, and I'm asking Raheem as well and yourself, like, how can we, like, do we just come out to our boys and say, hey, did you rape that girl? Like, like. So I, I would say with that, in that context, um, like I think if you hear it from from the woman, like if you're friends with her and you hear the story, that's like one thing for me personally. I don't I don't play around with that. Yeah, I, I don't. Nah, that's not that's not gonna happen. Or I mean, like if I hear a hint of that, like my thing is, I ultimately want to check on her well being, um, make make sure that you know she's okay, and then I gotta go confront whoever. X, Y, Z is, but you know what I'm saying? But we're missing pieces of the puzzle here because we, we just talked about like women don't have these men that they can even go to and feel safe. So the women aren't coming to the friends because they're like, yo, I, 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 I got to do this on my own. I, but you, I think it's not, and it's not even what I think, but I think like there are men that are loyal to their women friends to a fault. Like there are some genuine men yeah. that this like Definitely. that but they have plutonic women that they're like their sisters like yes if somebody messes with them they're like they would go to go to blows over like that's how serious right. they value them but you know where that comes from it comes from a humanity perspective because they have a friendship and they value that person so much that you know they would physically get into a physical altercation you know into somebody over them you know so it's just it starts from that point of they value their humanity and because they value their humanity, they're going to do whatever it takes to protect them, or at least try to go and speak up for them and, you know, be a shield, you know, for them, you know what I'm saying? Because that person may try to shame them and victim shame them and just all these things that may, you know, may, may come with that. Yeah. Okay. That's a good point. And, and I feel like, so I understand I, what you're saying about, um, like a man just doesn't come out and be like, I pinned her down. But I think there are in certain circumstances and with certain groups of people, there's behavior that is a bit more obvious and right. sometimes not obvious. And that's why we're having this conversation. Um, so a Nigerian guy in California, he used to go to UCLA, graduated, was an athlete. My sister used to live in Cali and she's an athlete. Um, she's 21. This guy is a bit older than that. And they would hang out and go to parties and stuff. And my sister would be like, bruh, like, I don't know if I'm about to hang with y'all again. And then allegations came out about him raping and, ass- and assaulting multiple women. Ah. Um, and it kind of simmered down. He lost his scholarship at school, but he was still allowed to partake in the sport. And then it just came back up again last week. And everyone was like, he moved to Fresno, the African, then the Nigerian community saluted him because he got his degree in something that you know we love so pick anyone as a lawyer doctor yep. engineer <laughs> and they all ignored it i'm like why are you trying to tear down this good nigerian guy this prince with like real life proof um 
and my sister was talking to one of our family friends who dated one of his friends and was like, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't put it back. Like we've been with him at parties. And so yes, girls might pick it up more because we're, we have to be more aware in those circumstances. But my sister said, the proof is all in the group texts. And I was like, that is so profound. But sometimes there's conversations or the things that men say that's like, it should get you thinking. And I know that it probably doesn't happen as much in our circles, but I know that we've been in group texts. We've been in conversations with men. I've been around conversations with men. And I remember I had to look at a guy like, did you really just say that? And I walked away and my friend, who was a guy who was like close to everyone else, I was like, that is unacceptable. I said, that is unacceptable. Not because I'm here. Even if I'm not here, it's just unacceptable. And we had to break down and go through what the guy said that allows rape culture to be okay. Yeah. That normalizes sexual assault. And so it's, it's small things like that. It's, it's checking your men in group conversations or with women or you see their approach to a woman, maybe when they have a bit too much to drink, or maybe they're fine. And the woman's like, nah, I want to go out with you. And they're like, their no doesn't mean no. To them, their no means, oh, I need to pull out more game. Or like, I need to coerce this girl to give me her number or go on a date with her. And it seems like a small thing. Yeah. But if they're doing it in a number or to get a date, it's not necessary that they're obviously going to violate them. But slippery slope here, right? Yeah. yeah. No, and fact, and I, I think black men also have to realize we're not going anywhere if our black women aren't, you know, brought up with us. So, you know, I, I look at this movement in the U.S. where everyone is trying to pull down these Confederate statues, statues and, you know, you have some white people who are like, oh, these are great people. These, these are great generals, blah, blah, blah. And when you mention like this Nigerian guy who is an engineer or whatever he was and, you know, the Nigerian community is just propping him up, I'm looking at it like we're not going to win that battle of, hey, we want these white supremacy figures to be brought down when even in our community, we have that same issue where we're not going to bring down these great African men, these great Nigerian men, because they have accomplished X, Y, and Z even though there's a lot of filth underneath of them, like perversion and, and sexual, so all these things, you know? So mm-hmm. I, I just think our, our struggles are very much tied to the way that we treat our women, you know? And until we fix that, we're not going, we're not going anywhere. That, that, that's how I feel. And uh, to, to go into something else, I also feel like, I don't want to hear any black man tell me about his preference of a black woman because we're not doing our job even protecting you. Like, so men can, some men like to say, oh, I like a girl with long hair. I like a girl with short hair. I I don't like hearing that anymore. I just feel as though we have so many issues within our community where this is just another thing that is pitting us against each other. You know, so I'm, 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 very intense in my communities and in my group chats where it's like I don't want to hear preferences you know I feel like black women are under fire and it's not about what you like and 
No, it's not about that. Enough is every, enough. Yeah, enough is enough. No, all right, we need enough, to protect man. every every black woman. Okay, I, I don't want to hear about what she like this and that. All I the, think you can do both. Here I go speaking. I think you can do both. I think you can have your preferences, but make sure that your preferences aren't coming from bias or distrust or hatred. Um, I think you can have your preferences and still protect black women. But and, and honor them and love them and respect them. I think it just depends on your reasoning, yes. your real reason. Well, let's get to the heart issues, the real reason as to why your preferences are your preferences. I just think as soon as you start pitting us against each other, like let's say I come out and I say, I like dark skinned women, right? And then all the light skinned women, they come out and they say, well, why are you doing this against us? And blah, blah, blah. And now you have some people who they, they don't know my heart. I mean, they don't know my intentions. They don't know the reasoning. You have some people okay. who now take up that cause. And now there's this widespread issue within our community of light skin versus dark skin women. Oh, this person said this. Oh, this person said that. And I just feel, no, I, I'm not saying like, like, yeah, we all prefer certain things. Okay. I like a certain type of ice cream versus, you know, this certain uh, brand of ice cream. Yeah. We all have our preferences, but I think right now, black women in general are under fire and we just need to work on putting the umbrella on everyone not just saying okay you know what we're gonna put the umbrella on these people and then we we're gonna worry about them later so i just feel like i don't even like to hear i, references. I, I, I do you one better protect the black women you're not attracted to as well that's the fact come on man this is why raheem's my brother that is straight facts. Like, talk that talk and back it up with energy. Yeah. I'm saying, saying it to myself, too, like, because I, I, I feel like we build this up just based off of how people look, where it's like, no, this is an umbrella. So this is all types of black women, tall, short, big, small, all of them. You know what I'm saying? So that's, that's pretty. I know men that will go hard for their mom and their sister. But outside of that, the way they treat women is trash is they treat women just trash and i remember me thinking oh you treat your mom and your sister good oh my goodness i was so confused <laughs> i was like what a wow yeah. so you're right not just people who are close to you or people who are like family like women like and this is the thing we need to teach first of all grown men need to unlearn how they see women and their bodies and their access to them. But we actually need to teach young boys. Um, parents need to. Raheem, you have nephews. Um, Toby, I don't know if you have nephews or like godsons. Like have these conversations with them. Find out ways to break it down. Um, I remember someone telling me a story about how their brother was upset that a girl in his class wouldn't be his valentine. And he kept going back and going back. And the sister was like, oh, wait, no, wait, let me, let me teach you how to treat women. She was like, if she said no, she said it for a reason. And that's, it's okay. And I was like, that was such a small way to come and give him truth and to teach him to grow up to be a respectful man. Like, no means no. Be okay with rejection. And that's this thing of, you know, someone said on Twitter, and I know who, but they said, before we talk about teaching men consent, we need men to learn about entitlement. Like you are not entitled to me because you buy me a drink. Well, I don't drink, but say I did, because you buy me a drink. You're not entitled to me giving you my, your num my number or sleeping with you, but you're not entitled to that. Like if I say no, 
you don't get to turn around and be like, you effing, blah, 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 like, oh, I'm sorry, like. Wait, Emily, do you want to hear something that, that's really interesting, even along those lines? Um, you would see the world shut down if women decided that they weren't going to do anything with us anymore. If they just decided, you know what, and that, that includes married women too, if all the women in like solidarity just say, you know what, as a way to punish all you men, nothing for you guys. You would, you would see, like you would just, you would see the shift. There'd be appreciation for maybe a day or two and then the world would go on. No, because... no, just, no, but I would just say like, like let's say they, they held out for a period of like a long period of time, like a solidarity. But I, that, that was an extreme example, but you kind of get what I was, what I was getting. No, at. I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. Emily, I, I thank you for hopping on this call with us. So this has been a, a, a great conversation. And I mean, we want to make sure that we can get to some scriptures that we, that we highlight each episode. So if you want to put your social media out there, because I think you shared quite a lot with us where, you know, I don't know if you might want people looking you up and saying, who's this person, who's it, you know, but um, is there anything you want to leave the people with? Um. To the women who have gone through sexual assault, one, it's not your fault. Two, there is healing and there is redemption and there is real joy that you can gain from the world. Um, don't suffer in silence. You need your community. Um, you need your community, specifically the church. And if your church has has failed you um, and you know Toby, hit up Toby, hit up Raheem if you know me or you want to add me on um, Instagram, hit up me. There's also great resources out there. I was surprised by the amount of resources that come from Christian psychologists, um, doctors, um, people who are, you know, really supporting people who have gone through um, trauma and sexual abuse. There's a ton of good Christian books out there. Um, a resource that I can think of off the top of my head is Grace, and that's Godly Response to Abuse in Christian Environments. They have a whole website and loads of resources and really good books up there. Um, and I just wanted to share a quote, actually, if that's okay with y'all. Yes, yes, yes. Um, the work of restoration cannot begin until a problem is fully Face. That's by Dan the like refusing to give someone their numbers and we don't talk about it, you know. We're just like, oh, this is bad, but like that's the reality. That's well, our reality every day. We're we're gonna do better. We're gonna do better, and we're also gonna aim to do better with disseminating this information so all of our guys can do better. And I want to touch on some scriptures that we singled out, me and Raheem. Yeah, we're just gonna close out with that, close out with some scripture. Yeah, I'll let you go first. So yeah, I have um, two scriptures to kind of tie up everything we've been talking about. Talking about. And the first one is on John 13, 35. And it says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And my second um, scripture, again, taken from the book of John 15, 12 is, this is my command, love one another as I have loved you. And I think I like the root of this is um, we loving our sisters as image bearers, right? We love them um, as created human beings, right? The same way that Jesus um, sees them, right? I think that is the, 
place where we can start, right? I think that's where healing can start. I think that's where humanizing our sisters can start. And I think that is the starting point where we can um, move forward and just kind of take things forward from there. Yes, yes, yes. So the verse that I chose is from the book of Timothy, the first Timothy, and this is chapter five. So I'll read verses one and two. Rebuke not an elder, but entreat him as a father, and the younger men as brethren, the older women as mothers, the younger as sisters with all purity. So, you know, it's, it's self-explanatory. You know, if, if, if you think of all women as sisters, you know, the younger women and the older women as, as, as mothers, if I lose this sister, I'm losing a piece of me. So it, it, it deepens the responsibility you know, it broadens the responsibility, not just to, you know, people that come from my mom, but no, all, all women, all black women, you know, and that's, that's my scripture. Man, thank, thank you for sharing that. And um, we, we didn't want to miss this, but um, you can find us on our Instagram page, right? Oh, yes, yes, it is. Find us on our Instagram page. That is urban theology underscore. Me as an individual, I'm pretty boring, but if you do want to follow me, you can follow me at long live T-O-B-E, long live Toby. And you can find me at rice underscore and underscore stew. And Emily, where can the people find you at on Instagram? They can find me at emzily, E-M-Z-I-L-E-Y. All right. Awesome. Perfect. Well, thank you once again for joining us. This has been episode, oh man, I forgot the episode. Episode number six? No, seven. Seven. Bro, it's your focus. Come on, this guy. Last week also. Sorry, sorry. (laughs) This has been episode seven. Thank you for tuning in. Spread the word. Like us, rate us, subscribe us, do all that. And share with a friend. God bless. Peace.